Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from our special guest. So several years ago, we were, personally, we were introduced to Jim and Pat. Um, I know that they had first met Chris and Cindy years ago in Abilene, and it's, there's been a blessing in, in developing not just a secondary friendship, but a direct relationship and friendship. And I know they, they have blessed me uh, and our family, uh, and this, they, they stayed with us last night. And I'm just telling you right now, my heart needed a good heart session last night. And, and it came through a, a spiritual father and mother in the faith that, that came and just talked. And, and my heart's doing good today because of the time. And so I know what you're going to get today. They have an incredible anointing for inner healing and bringing people into wholeness. And that's not just methodology, but there's a relational connection with the Father and with Jesus that, that really sets you into what Jesus paid for, into your full identity. And so I know that's what they're going to they're gonna bring it and release it. If you've never heard uh, Jim's uh, Trauma Healing Prayer, it's on YouTube, it's on all the places, it's on their website. I encourage you to do that. If you've been dealing with some things, just put it on play. It's 20-something minutes, but it is it's soaking, and it releases some goodness. We have so many testimonies of people that from here, the first time that Jim and Pat came, that the anxiety, traumatic events, depression began to turn because uh, of that trauma healing prayer, and it's, it's really, really good. So I want you all to stand up with me and just give a warm welcome. I believe Pat's going to start off, and just we love you guys so much. Hi. <laughs> it's on. I'll see if I am or not here. <laughs> How are y'all? Good. Can you be comfortable and let's just wait for a minute and just see what Jesus really wants to do? I think sometimes we rush into a message and we rush into a a thought. We want to hear it and get out. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something to you. You know, the word says that scripture is effective for the cutting between spirit and soul. We, we know a lot about our soul. <laughs> we know our thoughts, our emotions, which most of the time are what we live by, you know, well, they hurt my feelings. Well, I'm scared. Well, I'm poverty. Well, I'm this. Well, you know, well, it's time to stop that. But I'm not going to go there. Here we go. Well, I may. Um, <laughs> I, so I'm just going to read the word for a minute. Now, we live in a generation that likes quick fix, quick messages, um, you know, text, short statements, which are a horrible way to communicate because you cannot capture someone's heart. We want short videos. We want short songs. We want short worship. We want short everything. And therefore, our attention span is about, what do they say now, maybe two minutes, ten minutes maybe, that, that someone can actually focus 
on what's being said. And we wonder why the church cannot stay in the presence of the Lord without wanting to go do something else. Okay? And we, we well, so I'm going to read it. Okay? It's Ephesians 4. And this is the Amplified, which, if you don't know, the Amplified Bible was interpreted by women. If you don't believe it, see how many words it takes to say. (laughs) And I love it. (laughs) That wasn't a true statement for those of you that don't have a sense of humor. I was kidding. Okay. Here we go. Enough of that. Okay. I, therefore... The prisoner for the Lord. Appeal to and beg you to walk, to lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called with behavior that is credit to the summons to God's service. I'm going to read it again, and I want you to ask yourself, how does that affect you? Because I want you to know the, the biggest hindrance to us growing in the Lord is one word. It's just one word. And that word is but. Well, I know that but. Well, I know I shouldn't but. Well, if they wouldn't, I wouldn't but. But. Okay, so I'm going to read it again. I just want you to ask yourself. You, you made some declarations today. We got excited. We worshiped. We praised. We said, yes, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. Okay, ready? The prisoner for the Lord appeal and beg to you to walk, lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Are we living a life that is a credit to the divine calling or are we still running around as children? We have been, we have been ministering in inner healing for about 35 years and we have, we have seen, we have traveled, we have worked with people, we love the brokenhearted, we love that. But guys, it is time to grow up. I say that with all the love I can. If we don't grow up, we will not stand in the days that are coming. You know, the word says, we, we, we talk about, I want to know you, I want to know you, I want to, and yet the word also says at the end, there are those that come and say, oh, Lord, I knew you. I did this and this and this, and I did this and this. And he says, but I never knew you. Does he know you? I mean, does he know you? Or does he know the you that you want people to think you are? Because he, he loves you so much, he wants to know you and show you who you are. So it says, living as becomes you, with complete lowliness of mind, humility, meekness, unselfishness, <laughs> gentleness. That's a hard one for me. 
y'all need to know the way I'm wired is pretty black and white and straightforward. And I had some kids say that I intimidated them. I was like, no, I was just loving you. Nope, you intimidate them. Okay, that's who I am. But I'm learning. And I expect people to extend grace in my learning. Because I extend grace to you when you're not standing doing what you're supposed to do. Okay? Gentleness, mildness, with patience, bearing one another and making allowances because you love one another. This whole thing's about family. My stars, guys, if we treated each other, in our, well, some of us do, in our family the way we treat each other in the body of Christ, we wouldn't have families. And that's the reason some of it's time to let down our stuff and go, son, I don't know who you are. I don't know your name. I don't know where you're from. But I want to tell you something. If, you don't be, if Jesus can't do in you what he wants to, I can't be who I'm called to be. And whatever it takes for you to be that person, I want you to know I will, I will pray. I'll be there. That's what we need to do. What is your name? Chris. Chris. Hi, Chris. Yeah. You see, that's what we've got to do, to be able to look at each other and go, guys, I, it's just love. And you know what love entails? Love entails saying, but listen, buddy, if you're out of line, I'm going to tell you you're out of line. Right? Isn't that what it is? Except that I better make sure I'm in line before I tell him he's out of line. Right? So it's about family. Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of and produce by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. Are you working? Are you striving to keep unity? Or are you sowing seeds of division? And the reason this hits me so hard is because as I look at the world today, and I look at Facebook, which I won't, it's, it's not a good place. Let me just say that. But it it's, can be. There's good things to it. What do you see? Fighting, division, anger, fear, judgment, right? Division on every place. Absolutely antithesis to what the body of Christ should be. And yet the body of Christ is leading it. I look at our government, and I thought, you know what? I've been a little bit perturbed with them. Anybody else been a little perturbed with them? <laughs> and I would like a sword to come along at times and deal with some perturbedness, right? And, and the other day, the Lord, the, I was reading and it, from Jeremiah. It's, it says, and Jeremiah railed against the people. The, why are you doing this? Why are you acting like this? Let me do this. Let, why don't you do this? I mean, here they are. Here they are. And it says, he stayed in the presence of the Lord until his heart was softened for mercy for the people. And then God answered his prayer. Will you stand in the presence of the Lord until your heart is softened toward your brother and sister? That the mercy of God can be extended? You see, most of the inner healing that we're having to do are people who have been offended, who have been broken, who have been wounded, who have been hurt and don't know how to deal with their own hurt. And they take it out on everybody else. 
And it's time to learn how to take my heart to the Father and say, Father, my heart, this hurt. This hurt. But Father, you are a healer. I can come into your presence and I can sit here. They may have betrayed me. You know, there, there's scriptures that talk about the end times. And it says, you know, there'll be lovers of self, all of this. Children will turn against parents. There'll be division. You know, we're going, I didn't think it was going to happen in my lifetime. Isn't that right? We're all like, how could this happen? Well, because the word says it's going to happen. We just didn't think it was us. Okay. Then you go on down a ways. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It says, talks about gifts being given for different reasons to equip the body of Christ. But you know what? We generally choose the, a gift we want to follow based on whether, how they make us feel. Okay? Yeah. The apostles, best, uh, special messengers, prophets, inspired preachers and expounders, evangelists, teachers, shepherds, all of that. We all like the shepherds because they, they're gentle and kind. But we don't really like when someone says, but you are the one. So I'm saying today, you are the one because I'm leaving town. <laughs> yeah, works pretty well. But it's because our hearts have been broken for the body of Christ in the immaturity we have allowed ourselves to stay in by not getting over the stuff in our heart that keeps us from standing face to face with someone that's hurt us and go, I love you without having to say, but here's what you did, right? Can you do it? Can we? It's hard, guys. This life he's called, you know, well, I won't go there. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints that they should do the work of ministering toward building up the Christ body, the church, until we all attain oneness in the faith and the understanding and the knowledge of the Son of God that we can really mature. That's his whole purpose. Jesus' whole purpose was not simply to get you to heaven. It was that we will mature into his image, into his likeness, into his goodness, into his kindness, into his gentleness, into his mercy. <laughs> it's pretty simple. It's not, it's not reading the Bible. It's not having Bible studies. Those are important but they don't necessarily conform you to his image. Do they? they? No. We may learn what his image is, but it doesn't, there's only one thing that conforms you, and that is coming into agreement with the Holy Spirit of God that he is going to, you are willing for him to do in you whatever he needs to do, that when you stand before the Lord, he goes, ah, oh, there he is. Ah, there he is. There he is. And I think some time ago, it was like this shift happened in us that it was no longer okay. It was no longer okay to allow people to stay so issue-focused on their hurts that they don't know how to walk in victory. Because you know what? We have people that could come to us for months, 
But if they don't know how to walk in the fullness of the vision of who God's called them to be, they will stay dependent upon me and my method and my whatever I do. And we will not have that. Okay? So we, for those of you that don't know our story, um, we're very fortunate about this because we have had to walk this walk. We've had to walk the walk I'm talking about. We started back in the early 1980s studying inner healing because we, we were in a little church that didn't believe in the things of the Spirit, any of that. And um, we were leading a young couples group, and we kept seeing them go through the same stuff, same stuff. And we were like, I don't know a lot, but that doesn't look like abundant life to me. And we were listening to a man on the radio, and he was doing inner healing over the radio. We didn't know that's what it was, but it was like, wow. Well, one time, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. He said, We're gonna, there's people listening that are dealing with fear. And he went through some stuff, and he said, now, I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to ask you to put your hand on the radio, and I'm going to pray, and God's going to break that. And I'm thinking, um, <laughs> I put my hand on the radio. <laughs> but I knew there was something he wanted to deal with in me. So I went around. We had a tri-level, and our bedroom was on the main. I went around. I pulled down all the blinds in the bedroom, <laughs> just in case the neighbors were looking. And I went, all right. So I went over, and I put my hand on the radio. And he prayed. And instantly, bam, that fear was gone. And I was like, Okay, there's something to this. There's something to this. Jim was listening to him on the radio. We were watching all of this. Um, we made this statement, and here's where it all began. We said, Lord, if you will teach us to heal the brokenhearted, we will give our lives to it. Sound noble? We thought it meant a weekend trip away where we could learn how to do something. Come back and do our life. <laughs> We really did. We didn't know what that prayer meant. But thankfully, he knew our hearts meant it, even though we didn't know. So we began studying everything we could. We began learning. We began studying every modality we could find. And we began praying for people. Jim worked nights and weekends, nights and weekends, nights and weekends. And then... We moved several times. I think this is our 12th move, our like seventh state in 40 years. And the police have not caught us yet, so we're doing all right. Yeah, if you're here, I didn't say that, police. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we began this journey of learning. But you know what? We can't heal broken hearts with a broken heart. We can't talk about with confidence that you can change without having experienced the reality of change in our own hearts. And over the 35 years, the Lord has continued to change our hearts. Because whether you know it or not, you are in a progression and you will be until you see him face to face. That's not an excuse. That's just a reality. But it ought to be this, as Paul says, but my determined purpose is to know him, is to become deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. 
that I may in the same way come to know him. Is that your passion? Or are you a church member that comes on Sunday morning because you're in the Bible Belt and that's what people do? What are you telling the, what are you telling the youth? We just, we've just come out of a season, I believe, coming out of a season. We call it the mercy season. It's what we've been in the last years, the mercy season. Everything's about how I feel. Everything. Adults, too. Well, you hurt my feelings. Well, I feel that God wants me to. Well, I feel this, so it's right. I feel this. I feel, and that's that mercy. I want to feel. I want that deep connection. And we have rejected we have rejected the truth of a God that says, yes, you feel, but you don't feel deeply for me. And therefore, you're not holding my word. You're not holding my standards because you think your feelings are more true than mine. And we've all done it. So we, we made this journey. We, we moved. We were born, let's see, we were married in Houston, by the way. And then we went to Indianapolis, Colorado, California, Colorado, Louisiana, Georgia, North Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina, which leads us to where we are now. The Lord said, actually said four years ago, sell your house. I have a place for you. We put the house on the market in Tennessee, and it sold in 36 hours, and we had to be out in three weeks. We didn't have a place to go, and we didn't know where we were supposed to be. Put everything in storage, and we started traveling for four months in our car, out of suitcases. Where are you going? Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? We got to Myrtle Beach after four months, and Jim got up one morning and said, I'm done. <laughs> and I was like, with what? <laughs> Just checking. I mean, you know, when you're done, you're done. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, it wasn't me at that point. Yes, so we stayed. It was like, okay, we're done. We can't do this anymore. And so we bought a condo real quick. We moved real quick. We did everything. And two years later, we're going, oops. <laughs> now, we, made, we met great people. We ministered while we were there, but we never felt yes. And we've learned to walk from the yes. So we sold our house. We closed on it last Thursday. Stuff's in storage. Stuff's in our truck. And we're driving. <laughs> you see, we don't know. Now, our, our children... They're not particularly impressed with this. <laughs> and they've let us know that. You're 75 years old. What do you think you're doing? I mean, you know, something could happen to dad and mom can't take care of herself. Evidently, they don't know me. But, <laughs> you see, so what I'm telling you guys, we're not just pe preachers coming to give you a message. We're just you who have chosen to walk as best we can in the knowledge of one who loves us, to bring wholeness to his body, whatever that takes, but learning that if we don't know him as our source in everything, it's going to be a rough ride. 
And we can think we do until all of a sudden we don't have whatever it is we think we need. That's when it's hard. Okay? So we've done that. And we're, we're going down the road. And we're having to ask the Lord, Lord, may we stay in your presence until we can cry for mercy on our leaders. Frankly, I'm not sure I want mercy. <laughs> There's times I don't. Back into the presence, Lord. I don't have a right to pray for you to come if I'm not willing to allow you to change my heart, to cry for mercy that none should perish, but that everyone would come to everlasting life. It's not Democrat. It's not Republican. It's not independent. It's not gun bearers and not gun bearers. It's not this or that. It's <laughs> body of Christ. What are you called to do? Where's your focus? Larry Randolph is an old prophet. And, well, he's not that old. He wouldn't like saying that that old, but he's been around a while. Let me say that. And he made this, he made this statement. It was funny. He said, I think, you know, Jesus, I just see this picture. He said, Jesus is in heaven. The Father's there. And <clears throat> the Father's going, okay, Jesus, come on. It's time to go get your bride. And Jesus looks down and he goes, Oh, no, not that. <laughs> Look, it's all broken, and it's dirty, and it's disjointed, and you said it'd be beautiful. And the father goes, oh, yeah, well, then just wait. We'll, we'll do a little bit more. <laughs> I don't want to be part of that body. I want to be part of that body that says, I will never be in my own self perfect until I see him face to face. But by golly, I'm going to get with him and change as much as I can between now and then that when he looks at us, he will say, yeah, yeah, let me have her. Let me have her. Guys, this isn't meant to be a word of correction. It's to say the kingdom that he has offered us is so much more than we have demonstrated to our children, to the world, because we're so focused on our little kingdom. <laughs> our little kingdom. So because of what God's going to do in this area and in this body and the place that he's positioned you, now's the time to let him examine your heart, to go to someone that may be hard for you to receive some and say, will you, show, will you help me see? Go to one of those who's been called to lead you, your pastors, your teachers, your evangelists, all of them, and say, I want to grow into this. I want to deal with my junk. I want my heart healed. I want to be strengthened in my inner man with the might of the Spirit of God that I can reflect his glory and be like him so that you can be part of that spotless bride that demonstrates the kingdom that is so far above what we're seeing now. It is. There's principles of the kingdom we aren't walking in, which is why we're living in struggle and poverty and disease and all of those things. And he's saying, come on, let's go. And I'm thankful that your pastor understands that. I'm thankful that he's like, ah, I've got to, they've got to see. And he's understanding, I've got to get there first. You know, we've known Cindy for, I don't know, how many years? 15 maybe? 
Yeah. You know, back when we went first to Abilene to train them in inner healing. And, you know, I saw, and I saw me. When I saw her, I saw me. I saw one that was like, you know what, I'll fight the gates of hell if I have to. And she has. And it's cost her. It's cost her friendships. It's cost her, you know, people's opinions. What, what has happened to you that's cost people's opinions? Or are you too, never mind. So, here's what I want to say. You have an opportunity to lay your heart before the Lord, no matter how long you've walked with him, no, no matter how much you've done for him, no matter what you think, you have an opportunity to stand back and go, Jesus, I'm unwilling for there to remain anything within me that doesn't bring the body of Christ together to bring glory to your name that when I'm done, you will know me and I will know you. And now I'm going to beg Jim to come <laughs> and take over. <laughs> Isn't she cute? <laughs> Purpose. How many of you know why you're here on planet Earth? What's up with the rest of you? <laughs> we were privileged to be... Um, part of a church in Asheville, North Carolina, that for whatever reason, the old prophet Bob Jones took a liking to. And he would come over periodically and spank us, um, which he was really good at. He came one time and he, we'd been doing a lot of work in Africa. And um, he said, you know, you can't reap fruit in another man's garden. We had not been doing very much in Asheville. Um, unfortunately, nothing much changed and the church does not exist today. Um, but during that season, I was privileged to go over and sit in Bob's little teeny tiny living room while he lived in Statesville. And one day as we showed up, and Bob started the meeting off with, okay, who had the dream about the race cars? Me. And he, he said, well, I had the same dream last night. Do you want to tell it or do I? <laughs> well, I should have said go ahead because I was hoping I wouldn't screw it up. But the dream was this. And before I even got the words out, he said, well, there's only a portion of that dream that is for today. And the rest of it is for some time in the future. And that future is now. This dream was in 2003. The dream um, was there was a ton of us, a bunch, some unknown number of us standing around leaning on our stock cars. How many of you are NASCAR fans? 
We are packed into this place so oddly. We're two or three feet apart from each each car. It's going to take a massive effort to get us off of this property. But we're casually leaning on our cars. We're dressed in white racing suits with all of the logos all over them. Our cars have the logos all over the hood, big black numbers on the doors. And we are waiting for the start of the race. But we don't know what that race is. And so we're going to get directions somehow. We know that instinctively when this signal comes, we have to run around and find a cell phone and pick it up. Somehow the signal comes, I run around this oak tree and there's a cell phone, an old flip phone and pop it open, that's the end of the dream. It's like, huh. Well, two years ago, we were in Tampa, and I was supposed to speak on Sunday morning, and I had nothing. Zippo, nada, no clue. And I'm going, Lord, you're going to have to give me something for this congregation. The dream comes back in vivid color. It's like, okay. I don't have a clue what this thing means, so this is not much help. And this is what he said. And this was November of 2020. And he said, COVID is not of me, but I waste nothing. Judgment begins at the house of the Lord, and I am judging my church. I'm tired of the leadership. I'm tired of the leadership that is disconnected from the people they've been sent to serve. I'm tired of the talking heads speaking their own minds rather than my heart. Wow. I'm tired of people worshiping worship and not worshiping me. I'm tired of them using the words family and community without any intention of understanding exactly what it means or any intent of actually building it in the places that I have sent them to serve. George Barna, noted Christian researcher, declared that over COVID, 20,000 churches in America closed and did not reopen. The average church size in America is 72 people. When most of them reconvened, they reconvened without 40 to 60% of the congregants that were there to begin with. For many, it was a wake-up call. You need to understand why you do everything you do, and is it appropriate? For many, they decided that it was duty. It was tradition. 
some social event. The reality for most of Americans is their spiritual life has its highlight on Sunday and barely exists the balance of the week. And I'm thinking, Lord, you're going to ask me to tell this dream and this interpretation Sunday at a church? There was no answer. I said, well, what about the rest of it? And he said, it's interesting. In dream language, a car, any type of transportation, whether it's a bicycle, an automobile, or an airplane, is emblematic of your life and personal ministry. Here we were with race cars. And Jesus said, my people have become like a big show. And what is the big show? It's people running around in a circle, going nowhere, accomplishing nothing at great effort, playing follow the leader. I'm done with that. I'm done. You're thinking, I'm supposed to say this on Sunday at a church, right? No answer. He said, I want you to look at these automobiles. NASCAR is a family-owned and operated organization. It is the one who sanctions the automobiles that races and has specific specifications for each one of them, even as this one. But they scheduled him for Sunday. But he said, these automobiles are different. Because you have holy run any race as fast or as far as I call you to run. Because you have Holy Spirit dwelling within you, you have all the fuel you will ever need to go as long as you need to go to accomplish what you've been called to accomplish. So you are powerful. You have all the energy that you need. Some days I wonder. But he says, there are three things that are going to keep you from accomplishing that which I have ordained for you to do. And Ephesians 2 says, there are good works established for you to perform that were established before the foundation of the world. So there is purpose for you. But he said, in order for you to fill your, fulfill your purpose, you're going to have to look at three things. Number one, you're going to have to deal with the baggage in your life because the chunks on these cars are welded shut. They carry no baggage. So you're going to have to deal with the iniquitous belief systems of your family line. You're going to have to deal with the junk of Freemasonry that your ancestors have bought into. You're going to have to deal with the hurts and the wounds, the divorces, the betrayals, all this stuff. 
That's what we get to do. It's part of living the life in the kingdom that God has ordained for each of us. He said, next you're going to have to deal with all of the distractions in these automobiles. So you can focus on what you're supposed to do. And the place that you are to go. These race cars have no stereo systems. You can't get YouTube on them. They've never heard of Facebook or anything else that takes their time, energy, and effort. So, but the third thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to deal with all of the logos on your uniform that are symbolic of everything you give your time and attention, energy, effort, and resources to that keep you from accomplishing the very thing he sent you to do. Now, the interesting thing about this to me We read, Jeremiah says, you know, the Lord told me that before he formed me in my mother's womb, he knew me. He was acquainted with me. And he set me apart to be a prophet to the nation and anointed me for that task. Well, we applaud that situation for Jeremiah, but it's the reality for each and every one of you. When the Lord created Jeremiah, he created him to be a prophet to the nations. He poured into him everything that was consistent with the purpose that he was given. The same is true for you. And the enemy has been trying his dead level best to convince you that that is not true. You see, he strikes hardest at your personal identity. Because the old adage is very true. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And for most of us, we have done every detour known to mankind. Does that mean we will miss the mark? No. Because Jesus says he's faithful. And one of the things he's going to be faithful to is the promise that he made. He said, that good work that he started in you, he will complete. Unless you don't want to. You get a choice. You have a choice. We have just entered into the new Jewish New Year, 5783, or 5873, I forget which it is. In the next, or this 10-day period, each of us is going to be faced with an issue that we need to resolve. 
Bob Jones was famous for putting out a thing called that he called the shepherd's rod. And it was his belief that on this day when the Jewish New Year started, each of us would be examined. And we would either be promoted or given another lap around the mountain. And at the end of this 10-day period, the days of awe, you would not only be promoted, but you would be given a great deal more insight into what the fullness of your purpose is. But you see, the reality for most of us is we're very short-sighted, and we've been trained by the system of the world to be that. The Lord never calls you to anything that you can do all by your lonesome. This is a partnership. We have a covenant with the king of the universe who says of us, you know, without, for people, there's not much possible. But with God, all things are possible. Well, you can take that one of two ways. You can either say, I'm useless. Or in the hands of the Lord, I'm unstoppable. But you get to choose. In John 15, Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, guys, I'm not going to call you servants anymore. Because servants are too small-minded. They don't know what the master is doing, so they can't even see themselves in any image, in any vision, doing any more than they know how to do right now. They're satisfied just doing what they do. Then he changes tenses and he says, I have called you friends. In other words, he's created a place for you already that is significantly different than what you perceive yourself to be in as a servant. Servants have limited perspective, not only of what's going on, but who they are in that bigger picture. So in this season, what he's asking each of us to do, will you choose to become a friend of God? And in order to do that, what you're going to have to get rid of is the mindset that you have as a servant. And it's hard because this system that we live under trains each one of us to be that. Its rules and regulations are being increased each and every day that you will become a servant to the government. And any freedom that you have, any ability to be, to be anything other than a servant is eventually going to be attempted to be stripped from us. So I have to stand in that place now and go before the Lord 
and say, Father, I need you to show me every belief system, every habit pattern, every understanding that I have that is not consistent with your word, with being a friend, or but I ask you to grant me a grace to accept that which will cause me to walk in the fullness of the kingdom as a friend. Two years ago, when we were cruising around the southeast looking for a place to drop anchor, I got tired of living out of a suitcase and in other people's spare bedrooms. And I quit. You see, the process of moving from a servant to a friend requires perseverance. It requires doing some things you don't really want to do because it's all you've ever known. It's all that's been comfortable to you. It brings an element of safety. Where being a friend of God from the perspective of a servant is dangerous. And yet, you're walking hand in hand with one to whom miracles is nothing. This 10-day period that we are in, that began on September the 25th, is coming to a close. And the Lord is asking each one of us, what decision will you make? Will you choose to walk in the fullness of the assignment that I have for you. Allow me to reveal to you things that you do not know and take you to places that you cannot conceive of. We said yes to the Lord. And thus far, none of these things are ever on my bucket list. We have been on every continent in the world except Antarctica and Australia. <laughs> and I'm not giving up on Australia yet. We've dipped our toe in all but two oceans on the face of the earth. Well, I would have dipped my toe in the North Sea, but she did while I had a beer. <laughs> we have served in Africa. We've served in Southeast Asia. We've served in Europe. On his dime. Had people come to you and say, you know, I think it would. we need to go on a cruise down the Rhine River. I think that's a good idea. And we did. 
and we're sitting out there on the deck of this boat going up the Rhine, and the Lord says, you know, I have some unbelievably beautiful places I'd like to show you. The prospect of moving from servant to friend scares the snot out of most of us because we don't know what that adventure will be. But there's one promise that he's and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. Everyone. And he's delighted to share them with you. So if it is in your heart to say yes to Jesus and move from that place of being a servant to a friend, regardless of what it requires of you, would you stand with me this morning? And if I have your permission, I'm going to pray this on your behalf individually. Father, we ask your forgiveness. Where we have decided to walk our own way and felt like that which was in our hearts and in our minds was preferable to anything that you might cause us to do. We ask your forgiveness for believing that we know best for our own lives, even for our family and for our children. And so, Father, we not only ask for your forgiveness, but we ask for your grace to accept the invitation that you made with everything that comes with it. For your word says of us individually, as he, Jesus, is, so are you in this world. Father, we ask your forgiveness where we have not even chosen to try and measure up to that statement. Not that we could But in many cases, we've tried to do it without the power of your Holy Spirit. So we ask your forgiveness for that. Father, we do not know exactly what this requires of us. But we believe that what you have is good for us, good for our families, good for our neighbors. And so, Father, we, we submit, we agree, we choose to become friends of God. We ask for your grace to change our minds, our understandings, our, even our view of the world and your word so that we conform ourselves with your help. Father, I bless them with life. I bless them with health. I bless them with peace. I bless them with perspective 
that your will and your ways is better than their own. I bless their pursuit of you. I bless them with ears to see and eyes. Eyeballs to hear, I guess. I don't know. I bless them, Father. For they are yours. I bless them to walk in the fullness of everything that you have ordained for them to walk in. I bless them with all the love their hearts can hold. For they are indeed worthy to be blessed. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynd.com.